Chemical Watch podcast. Hello and welcome to the third and final episode in this Chemical Watch podcast mini-series. Our aim is to provide further insights into industry trends, themes and updates throughout the world of chemical regulation. Chemical Watch is the global voice of product safety professionals managing chemicals and we are proud to be regarded as a trusted partner to a global community of businesses, regulators and other stakeholders. So naturally, we are excited to share with you this podcast series in which we aim to delve deeper into the topics that we know are important to you. Moderating the discussion will be Sissy Young, Product Regulatory Manager for Asia Pacific and Middle East, APME, at Shell Eastern Petroleum. And joining her is Jeff Lee, Principal Scientist at Procter & Gamble, Ling Zendong, Director, Asia Pacific Region, Product Stewardship at Johnson & Johnson, and Libin Huao from the Association of International Chemical Manufacturers, AICM, in China. Today's discussion focuses on regulatory updates, specifically within China and South Korea. We'll hear industry perspectives throughout the discussion regarding these updates and how they have been received. So without further delay, let's hand over to the panel for their insights. We actually select two topics because you see that uh, we have a lot of regulatory update in the region. And especially there's a, a, lot of, a lot of topics around the China update changes regulation as well as uh, the Korea. So that's why uh, we, we are fortunate to have our industry member you know, to actually to want to share on the industry perspective. What about what do they think about the change? Is it good for us? Is something more work for us? Is it something that we need to be, be aware about? You know? So we have a free um, uh, speaker here. So before further delay, I will share. I would like to pass it to Jeff. From your your from area experience in term in terms of Korea, right? Yeah, thanks CC and thanks also Chemical Watch. For me, I've already been uh, working on the chemical management for yeah almost my uh, entire career life in in P and yeah, it's coming to uh, my fifteen years in the company, and uh, I'm actually working on the Asia chemical legislations. Uh, this has uh, actually a uh, like specific area. I'm only looking at the chemical control laws across Asia countries. That also gives me a bit uh, limitation. I'm not going to cover anything regarding like uh, the workplace regulations, hazardous chemical control, etc. But more looking at the regulation like uh, what you heard from Junhuo for career reach and uh, like China, new chemical control, existing chemical control legislations. So for me, if I look at the journey we had in, in Korea, uh, in past a few years, our focus would be on, the, on actually the shaping the regulation. Yeah. So we know that uh, Korea has already determined to go with the EU reach similar system to work on all the existing chemical registration if it's higher than one ton per year per legal entity. So although we know this is actually quite a burden for industry and also a huge investment from authority, but we understand this is something Korea government has already chosen as probably the most proper way to protect the human and the environment in career 
you know, because there is a unique situation and there was uh, some accident happening in Korea. So something we can we can uh, understand that they they are coming up with something which is very strict. And uh, I think in past years, although we are trying to like uh, trying to like influencing the regulation, and we do see some progress, especially linked with the like the simplification of low volume chemicals, which we see they are implementing from uh, starting this year. I think this has already been a very good uh, approach. Korea government has already been taken. So in that sense, from industry-wise, we have more opportunity to uh, prioritize our efforts. And then we can work on the most uh, tough task, which is in coming more than two years, we need to get all our high-down one-ton chemical registered in Korea. So for me, if I look at the needs uh, for next uh, more than 10 years, yeah, definitely there's a lot of work to do to get all our chemicals registered in, in Korea. So this is uh, actually, I think, a, a, a huge work, uh, even for a company like, uh, like PNG, we are the downstream user. But because we are the downstream user, we are using a lot of chemicals from our supplier. But as we are the importer who are bringing these chemicals into Korea, eventually we need to take the liability to get all these chemicals registered. The good thing is that, uh, like for a company like PNG, we we've already been uh, spending a lot of efforts in Korea, uh, in in EU, for registering all the chemicals uh, under EU reach. So we accumulated a lot of knowledge. And we also worked on a lot of data collections for many of the chemicals. So that's the advantage. But when we are bringing this kind of uh, uh, experience to career, we still feel there is, a, there is a big challenge if we want to get all our chemicals registered. I think this would be applicable not only for company like us, but also for all the industry as well as for the government. I think the biggest challenge would be on the, on the data collection. How we can really organize the data to ensure these can be accepted to complete all these chemical registrations in, in Korea. So it's not natural that we can bring all the information directly from EU reach. So you can download everything from ECA website and then submit to Korea. It's not, it's not the way we can, we can do that. Not saying we, are, uh, we need to get the access from all data owner. So that takes quite a long time, especially during the experience from previous priority existing chemical registration uh, from career industry. So we know that it's, this is a really a time consuming work so it, it takes a lot of efforts, not only from the people like us, which is uh, working on the regulatory community, but also a lot of people who are working on the legal. So the, like the lawyers, their, their work will be actually consuming more, more time to get to the agreement. Another challenge I'm thinking about probably would be the biggest one for us is that uh, what type of data career can accept 
I think we had already a good discussion during the uh, previous session for career. We mentioned about different data quality that can be accepted. For me, uh, something I think it's, uh, it's good is that in career regulation, at least we see there's uh, flexibility. So you are okay to submit all the information you have as long as you can justify the safety of the chemical. But the case is that you are okay to submit. It's, it does not uh, mean uh, you are okay to be always accepted by the authority. So this is the this is the biggest challenge. I think uh, industry has already experienced with the limited ex uh, registration under priority existing chemicals, and we are now starting the new journey to register all the existing chemicals higher than one ton. So we are thinking about there is really a critical needs to really look at how we can build the capability so more information can be accepted to enable the chemical registration in careers. I think for me, probably two things I'm always uh, uh, advocating in, <laughs> in different venues. That is the flexibility for different type of data, especially very importantly is the proper acceptance of the read across data and also a mindset of uh, weight of evidence. This is, this is very important because uh, if, we look, if we are looking at like uh, all these pre-registered more than 16,000 chemicals, I believe majority of the chemicals which you have reached date they are coming from read across or weight of evidence, uh, uh, weight of evidence justification or QSA data. There are also, I think, a significant portion of these chemicals, you don't even have data in your reach. How are you going to organize this data? It's impossible. You always rely on the real testing. So that would be a, a mission impossible. Not to saying that in, in career reach, they also included the principle saying that they want to minimize the animal testing. So in that sense, there has to be really a technical capability from both authority and from the industry. We need to work together to ensure that there could be proper like guidance, how to adopt all these alternative information like the reader class, like the QSA, like weight of evidence. So because only putting the concept there is not sufficient because there will always be challenge saying, I don't agree with your justification because this is a really a justification requires a lot of technical knowledges that there will be always argument. Even we look at you reach, right? There has already been a proper guidance, very comprehensive, very long, but even with that, there are so many arguments. Can I, can I accept your justification? Uh, is it really following the principle? So these kind of questions eventually will come to career. I, I believe it will be the situation. So in that sense, what we are always uh, trying to advocate is that there could be a joint force uh, from industry, from government. So we can, we can work together with our experience in EU reach and also experience in other jurisdictions like uh, US, like uh, Canada, 
which has already adopted the reader cost, the weight of evidence approach. Though those kind of information, I believe, can be reapplied to career. So eventually, we can work together. Then we can we can build more capability in career. So if we can have more things in written, more systematically, more scientifically robust, then these kind of uh, guidance can be used for guiding the whole industry, and also enable the government to complete the. Uh, full retraction of all these existing chemicals. So these are actually, I think, one key item I would like to talk about for Korea. Thanks, Jeff. There's only one topic. So. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you two other people. Okay, right. But thanks, thanks, Jeff, for sharing your, your honest, uh, honest opinion experience. I think we, we all share the same things as well, right, for Korea. I hope that maybe in the future we can have more time to discuss how, how the approach we can do better uh, from the learning from US and Europe, right, from Korea. Thank you, Jeff. So we like... Thank you. We would like to share something from from your experience from from China regulation. Or thanks to Chemical Watch for inviting me to be here. Actually, I like to start with a kind of like a personal experience sharing. I came back to China in two thousand one. At that time, uh, you know the MEP and they have different name, right? SIPA started to think to start this new chemical management regulation. So we, I worked in the chemical industry for more than 20 years, and we are a member of, at the time, AICM, right? AICM is Association of International Chemical Manufacturers. So at that time, we were engaged by discussing with the government how we will lay out this regulation, what we can learn from international practices. We know that China started this chemical inventory from 1994. They started to collect the inventory. So by 2001, you know, 2002, they are almost ready, right? So we were in dialogue with them and uh, helping to provide a definition of polymers with a 2% of new monomers, right? Should have a simplified, uh, uh, you know, requirement. So we see the development of this regulation. Some people call this China rich, right? We said, oh, well, this is definitely not rich because you only focus on new chemicals. And later on, you know, EU has rich, covers both existing and new. Then we see a lot of things we needed to be changed. It took us seven years to advocate for the exemption of R&D, uh, you know, samples and chemicals for exemption. Okay, at that time, they still require 30 days approval, even though import a chemical for testing or a chemical for R&D, less than you know, uh, small uh, quantities. So by that 2010, you can see, right, they have this revision. It has incorporated many industry comments. And so we are glad that we are making the progress, right? The government listens to the industry and they are moving towards more reasonable data requirement. And you can also see that uh, they relaxed some data requirement actually in 2017. So now this is another round. Uh, this is another revision coming up. And we joined, uh, you know, CPCF. It's uh, China Petroleum and the Chemical Industry Federation, right, with the 60 multinational companies and the more than 2,000 domestic chemical companies. So we have participated heavily in the feedback process. 
So we thank government now to be very open for this um, uh, engagement of industry. And we as downstream users, not directly chemical producer, as Jeff has shared, we are using chemicals in our formulations. So we also wanted to work with the, the value chain partners, right, to be the process, uh, to be in the process. So for this one, uh, we joined the CPCF and provided um, many, many comments, and uh, Jeff also joined the discussions. So hopefully, right, we will have uh, another revised regulation which uh, meets some industry expectations. We are still uh, currently advocating for active pharmaceutical ingredient and exhibits exemption from China Reach. Uh, we are also activating a, uh, actively you know, comment on other things. Later on, I will point out a few points that um, industry needed to pay attention to because it's very critical. So this is one kind of a personal experience I have watched and observed, right? The China government evolving in terms of uh, uh, in engaging industry in the discussion, studying other countries' uh, regulations and shape it to, to fit China infrastructure and China development need as well as the China government ambition. Another one I wanted to share is um, the one they call the hazardous chemical list, right? 2018, sorry, sorry, 2828, right? 2828. They started uh, to ask the industry to provide uh, hazardous chemicals names and uh, you know hazardous properties. They have actually in mind target for 7,000 chemicals in that list. So we joined the AICM at that time, right? And to do ha uh, advocacy and uh, basically trying to convince government that uh, this, uh, you know, the data actually belong to the industry. You shouldn't just take all the data, then make a database and say, this is a hazardous and you have to register again, right? To the, to the uh, certain government. For safety concern, we know, right? It, it takes uh, industry and partnership to continuously for improvement in terms of environmental management and the safety management. But we have to have a whole picture. We also needed to align with the international practice and don't create a, you know, too much burden for the industry while still uh, managing and improving safety practices. So after many, many rounds of discussions, finally they issued the 2,828, right? That's way down from 7,000. So you can see the progress we have made, okay? And those are the two uh, stories we engaged, either myself directly engaged or my team engaged previously. This year, I wanted to talk about the, the recent changes, right? Uh, I joined the J&J six years ago. I'm say saying this not really representing of the company, right? Really you know, as an individual participating in the industry dialogue. So I wanted to share this. This year, study started from January. Uh, we have received this, um, uh, you know, a draft version, right? It's called um, Environmental Risk Assessment and the Control Regulation for Chemical Substance. And that regulation, actually, if you really read it, right, it's a regulation covering both existing chemicals and new chemicals, and it is a higher overarching chemical regulation, higher than order seven, your MEP order seven. So this means it's really a regulation cross ministries. I actually quickly counted, it actually cross eight ministries, 
So this one eventually, if it's issued, it will be issued at by state council level, right? So the law is by People's Congress. And the second one we call decree. That will be cross ministries. Most of those regulations will be issued by state council because you know, no one uh, ministry can issue that, right? Then the MEP Order 7 revision will be only issued by MEE. So that's the third level. Then down, then you have guidance, you have technical standards. Sometimes it's mandatory, sometimes it's voluntary. However, even for voluntary uh, you know, standards, they call GB, right, national standards, as long as the name or the number is referenced in other higher regulations, it becomes regu uh, mandatory. And most people don't realize that, right? So that's why it has to be uh, very careful when you see regulations. Not only you need to monitor those regulations, you also need to assess potential impact. That's why I wanted to share this year's experience. Uh, we have already joined them probably nearly 10, right, significant regulations advocacies, uh, including the one I mentioned, including this uh, MEP Order 7, also including many things I can mention, you know, for example, laboratory safety management guidance, it says it's a group standard. However, as I said, if other regulations mention it, it will become mandatory. Just give you an example. So we have to be part of the process. We need to get engaged, right? Not only you are the, if you are a chemical producers or suppliers to other industries. So you know, people challenge us as the J and J. Why you wanted to join chemical association, right? You're not even a chemical producer. I said, no, that's not the purpose. The purpose is the partnership. No one person or one uh, company or one industry, right, can shape the regulatory world for the better. We need a partnership. So that's why that's the my in this, uh, you know the message for everyone. I also wanted to mention the suppliers. So. Probably I should ask a question. Who are supplying uh, you know, chemicals, raw materials to the pharmaceutical industry, to the cosmetics industry, other industries? This is not just a purely chemical, right? Because you can see some of the regulation they will ask you to do a benefit uh, economic analysis report, right? So it's a whole thing you need to actually put into the factors to evaluate pros, cons, gains, right? And the balance overall approach. Yes, you can invest a lot of resources for certain regulations, but would that really prevent incident or environmental damage? Or is that just administrative work, right? I can tell you this, um, uh, you know, this risk assessment and the control regulation, after we provided the comments, we actually provided more than 200 comments. Uh, some of them have already incorporated into this WTO revision, right? When they send this to WTO in end of uh, August, this is, uh, I have already seen some changes. So that's, you can see that's towards the uh, better uh, direction. Originally, they require one year, every year report of uh, your production, volumes, activities, right? Now it's already dropped to every three years. Although you have to report every, you know, the last three years, but you only need to do this once every three years. So that's already a significant drop from original requirement, and that's the industry effort. Okay, so I can share with you that. Okay. 
All right. Um, uh, any any further? <laughs> yeah, because I think the time. Sure. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Uh, my my last uh, comments mm -hmm. is um, as I mentioned, right? We need to work together, okay, uh, to engage in the network, open yourself into different regulations because we can see sometimes regulations are contradictory each other, and sometimes the environmental agency give re one regulation, mandatory that actually causes safety risks for for the industry, right? The Ministry of uh, Emergency Management has to be also considered or consulted, right? We, so as an industry, because uh, we see those impacts and we can see, you know, the different um, angles, then we are in the position to share our learnings and the practices with the government. So thank you. I think it's a good point that I thank you for sharing the you know experience and also I think the key one you're talking about partnership and the industry should need to be part of the you know the process. I think that one that we we all agree and also this why um, this forum is very important for us to share the learning understanding as well. So I think Deepika, we would like to share um, you know the thing about the special things in China about food content. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, uh, Chemical Watch uh, invitation. Uh, we need together, ASM is need together, uh, uh, together companies. Um, uh, I'm from ASM is uh, Association of uh, International Chemical Manufacturers. Uh, it founded uh, um, in uh, 1988. Um, our members uh, business is a uh, uh, our, our member business cover uh, chemical manufacturers, chemical uh, transportation, uh, uh, tra uh, chemical uh, uh, distribution, uh, disposal. Uh, uh, in China, SM have uh, three uh, visions. Uh, SM, uh, uh, the first vision is to promote uh, uh, responsible care. Uh, and uh, other global re uh, recognized chemical management uh, uh, principles uh, amongst all stakeholders. Uh, the third vision is uh, uh, to uh, advocate uh, uh, co uh, cost-effective and uh, uh, science and uh, uh, risk-based uh, um, risk-based. Uh, uh, Policies to policymakers, and the third vision is to build up the uh, contributive role of uh, chemical industry to the economy. And uh, uh, ASM have uh, uh, four committees uh, to uh, to best uh, uh, follow up uh, um, Chinese regulations and uh, uh, policies, and uh, to uh, better advocate uh, uh, to. Um, policy makers, uh, we uh, establish the uh, industry, pol uh, industry policy advocacy committee. Uh, I, I'm uh, working for this committee for years. Um, uh, under, this uh, under this committee, we have um, uh, many uh, activities uh, for uh, advocacy works. Uh, we organize uh, uh, official visits, uh, roundtable meetings, and workshops uh, to face-to-face -to -face, uh, exchange with uh, policymakers, and um, we will uh, conduct surveys to uh, collect members' uh, 
uh, comments and to develop uh, ASM position and submit uh, uh, officials. And uh, uh, we also provide a, a database to uh, uh, for uh, for our members to uh, search uh, and study uh, all uh, regulations and standards. And uh, uh, and uh, we will publish uh, our uh, advocacy report to uh, summarize our uh, advocacy works in the whole year. Um, under IPAC, uh, we have um, a foot contact subcommittee. Uh, we focus on foot contact regulations in China. In more than 10 years, um, uh, Chinese uh, uh, policymakers take uh, um, many uh, efforts to uh, establish a, uh, a frame of um, foot contact materials. Uh, for ASM uh, observation, uh, in China, we have uh, uh, three foot contact box uh, uh, overview. The first, uh, um, as for the foot contact uh, uh, new standards, uh, all stakeholders uh, uh, promoted the new regulations and uh, to deeply understand the regulation and standards. Uh, and encourage industry and uh, companies' uh, compliance. Uh, ASM um, have uh, uh, organized the global forum uh, in 2018, uh, similar as this uh, uh, forum. Um, we invite uh, uh, government uh, 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 experts and uh, foreign uh, experts to to deliver speeches on the uh, regulations and uh, uh, standards updates to uh, enhance uh, to promote regulations and uh, communication between government and uh, 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 industry. Second, we will uh, uh, organize roundtable meetings for. Uh, special projects. Uh, uh, for example, we will organize a roundtable meeting uh, for DOC letter. Uh, we invite uh, members, uh, uh, experts to uh, share how to prepare DOC letter and uh, uh, how to communicate uh, in supply chain. And um, uh, uh, after that, uh, we aligned the uh, uh, ASM template of uh, foot contact uh, resin and uh, foot contact coating, foot contact paper. Uh, another foot contact works in China. Chinese policymakers is very open for the foot contact standard uh, drafting process. They are willing to uh, study and search practice in other regions. They solicit uh, opinions and um, uh, make investigation to uh, uh, industry. In China, all industry and um, uh, companies uh, uh, will quickly respond to the, uh, the requirements and uh, involve in the process of the standards and provide industrial comments and uh, substance uh, uh, usage. Uh, number third, uh, our industry will discuss and focus on the hot topics. Uh, for example, um, uh, recycled and reused material in foot contact materials. Although the 
Chinese uh, food content material standards, uh, we will face uh, uh, three, uh, three challenges from my side. Um, the first uh, challenge, we need to uh, enhance the product, uh, uh, product compliance works. Um, the industry and uh, the companies need to enhance the understanding of the regulations. Uh, how to practice in uh, during the compliance works. Uh, some companies don't have a, a product stewardship position and um, uh, don't pay more attention to the product uh, product uh, uh, compliance works. So we need more uh, training and um, uh, sharing in uh, and the pro uh, to promote uh, Chinese regulations. Uh, the second challenge in China, uh, as uh, uh, industry, we hope scientific and uh, effective Im implementation and enforcement to avoid um, uh, misunderstanding. Uh, for example, DOC uh, letter. Uh, all companies in the supply chain have their own uh, responsibility. Uh, uh, every company have an obligation to deliver um, substance information to downstream uh, customers. Uh, we only deliver the uh, hazardous uh, um, uh, substance information. Uh, and uh, in China, we don't have a, a mandatory format uh, or template of DOC. Uh, the third challenge in, uh, in China we enhance, we enhance the test requirement understanding. According to uh, national standards, we, uh, the company arranged their own test plan, uh, no set time plan uh, in, uh, China, uh, uh, in China. Uh, the, uh, the test report is uh, to ensure your products uh, uh, compliance and uh, support your DOC letter. Um, and the raw materials uh, 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 supplier test report uh, cannot reply, uh, replace downstream test report. Um, because um, many uh, factors uh, will affect uh, product uh, quality in the whole production. Uh, for example, GMP control and uh, Technical, uh, uh, tech, uh, technical process. SM will continue to uh, play a bridge to for <laughs> industry uh, between industry and uh, government, and um, we continue to provide the platform for the industry. Thank you, okay, Lippen. thank you. Yeah, I think this. Thank you for sharing the issue of concern, especially food contact is a, a broad area, and China have starting some time ago. I think AI Sigma do a fantastic, fantastic job to actually update you know, including the as a platform channel for the members, which we are also member. So we know <laughs> that work that have been done by AICM. So I think that this is give you uh, you know some perspective uh, on the industry side. What are you know the, when the regulation comes? What are the uh, up, uh, the issue? What the challenge? What we hope that we can do better? And also in terms of uh, uh, you know uh, cooperation that we can do as a team together to build a better practical regulations. Yeah.
So I hope that this information, you know, from the personal view, from the industry perspective, can share with you all that, you know, um, the cha challenge that we all, they have faced, we also face the same challenge as well. Okay. So I think in view of time, and thank you again, you know, for, for the free speaker to, to share uh, the industrial perspective concern issue and the positive view that we have been doing. Okay. Excuse me. Can yeah. I just make one last comment? Because yeah. I, I didn't have time to talk about that. You know, the risk assessment, the fine, right, in their mm. liability, it's very, very high. Mm. If you really pay attention, it's a 70,000 to 140K US dollars for the punishment, okay? If it causes uh, serious consequence, it's double. Basically, it's 1 million to 2 million uh, RMB fine. Okay, so if you really calculate it into U.S. dollars, it could be up to 280,000 U.S. dollars fine. And this is for not complying to new chemicals. However, if you check a new chemical, uh, you know, MEP order seven revision, the fine there is only 1,000, uh, sorry, 1,400, okay, to 4,200 U.S. dollars. You see the discrepancies, so big, right? And that's why we needed to clarify with the government which one will be, you know, the final numbers, can they really to be consistent, right? So um, that's why I want to alert people, if this law, this is a higher level law, right, uh, regulations come into force, you all, everyone will be regulated because it covers both the existing and the new chemicals. Be careful, right? And we know that um, it's in discussion. We just don't know when it will be approved and what will be the final version but this is a, should be in your radar screen. Okay, thank yeah. you. Thank you. As the talk has come to an end, I would firstly like to thank the panel for sharing their thoughts and knowledge with us. And secondly, a big thanks to you, the audience, for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and found the contents insightful. If you would like to find out more about today's topic, associated content, the speakers, upcoming talks, or any other Chemical Watch related information, please do not hesitate to head on over to the Chemical Watch website at home.chemicalwatch.com. Alternatively, contact the Chemical Watch team who will be more than happy to help in any way they can. We hope you join us again for another Industry Insights talk. So keep your eyes peeled for upcoming Chemical Watch mailings with further details for when new episodes will be released. Other than that, I'd like to wish you all a great day. Goodbye. Chemical Watch Podcast.